Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet on Apple TV Plus is... Wait, wait, stop, stop. Don't, don't, don't check out just yet. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, I know a lot of you probably don't have access to Apple TV Plus, but I do. And when they're doing an interesting show, I think it deserves to be talked about. And whether or not you ever watch this show, I think it has something very interesting and important to say about the creative process. And yeah, so yeah, you may not have Apple TV Plus, but this is a good show. And we're going to talk about it on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And today, yeah, we're going to be talking about Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet on Apple TV+. And this show is in a really scary way. It feels like looking into my own brain and seeing the arguments that are going on. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast and whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. And the more people that listen, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the better the chance we have of actually communicating with each other. And that is, after all, why I do this in the first place. And if the app that you're listening to me on doesn't give you the option of rating, maybe uh, share the podcast with your friends. Tell them that you like it. That would be a good way to help out, too. All right, let's get into it. So, first of all, I, I'm going to be referring to the show as Mythic Quest, or MQ, from now on. Because the name is intentionally ridiculous. Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet is the full name of the show. And it is a show about an MMO company that make the game, can you guess? Raven, um, not Raven's Banquet, Mythic Quest. And it's about the launch of their expansion, Raven's Banquet. The show takes place in the studio that is producing the game. And yeah, it, it I, I'm not going to talk about how well it shows the culture of either gaming or computer, you know, game making, because I'm not a part of that industry. So I, I don't know what it's like to work at a company that's actually making an MMO. But I do know what it feels like to be a creative person, and in so many ways, this show really resonated with me because this feels like the arguments that take place inside my head. Now, I'm going to be mentioning some actors and peoples by name, and I want to apologize up front for that because I... I, I mispronouncing things is kind of my thing. I know I stole that from somebody else, but it really is. I, I Some of these names I've never heard pronounced out loud before, so I, I cannot speak to whether or not I am pronouncing them properly or not. So, this series 
which appears on Apple TV Plus. They put the whole thing up so that you can watch it all, which we did because we just couldn't stop because it... Okay, besides just the craziness of it kind of detailing the monster monsters that exist inside my creative brain, it's really funny and oddly poignant and hits a lot of really interesting notes in the way it tells the story. The show is basically about the tension between Ian, who is paid, played by Rob um, McElhaney, I something like that. <laughs> He's from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is another show that I haven't watched. And uh, da David Hornsby, who is also on that show, he plays David. <laughs> so Ian is the creative director for the game. David is the executive producer for the game. Poppy, who is played by Charlotte Nickdow, who is amazing, and I uh, love her character. She is the head coder. She's in charge of all of that. And Danny Pudi, who we all know and love from so many shows, but I guess the one that most people would know him from is uh, Community. He plays Brad, who is the uh, monetization, the head of monetization. And for the most part, with the exception of Pudishu, who's played by Elisha Hennick, the show, for the most part, is about the struggle between creative and basically creative production, the business needs, and the monetization. And there, there's some funny things with. Sue, who plays the, who is the, uh, who's played by uh, Caitlin McGee, who plays the interface between, she, she's the community manager and she's really funny. And yeah, and I, I don't want to neglect the story between the various uh, game testers. That's a beautiful storyline. And I don't want to neglect Joe because we all have an internal Joe. Joe is technically David's assistant. And the drama in the show is between the coders not feeling respected by creative, creative, not really seeing the problem with any of that, and Brad constantly trying to milk as much money out of this game and out of its players as humanly possible. And somehow, this show is hilarious, it's poignant, it really... It gave me feels, and I know it's a good show because the moment we were done watching it, I wanted more. And that's kind of my new bar for quality of a show, is there's a lot of stuff that I watch and that I enjoy, but when it's over, if I just want more, like I didn't want to leave these characters, I wanted to find out more about them, I wanted to know what happened next, That that's my bar now. And a lot of the more recent shows have not been meeting that bar, but this one definitely. Am I saying that if you don't have access to Apple TV Plus right now, that you should find a way to get access? See, for my money, for both Dickinson and this, yeah, I, we, I have a lot of Apple products in the house, and we got a free year of the service when we got our new Apple TV box. 
so I'm not paying for it right now. But for more Dickinson and more Mythic Quest, like those two shows for me are enough that I would probably pay for the service because I really like them. But that's going to be up to you. But what I really want to talk about is how this show, more than anything else, really exemplifies all of the chaos within the creative mind. And unfortunately, to do that, I'm going to have to talk about some things that some people would consider spoilers. So if you don't want to know anything about Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet, other than what I've already said, go watch it, come back. We are entering the spoiler zone. Spoilers are incoming in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Okay, so... You know, I've been in this like weird headspace lately as far as my own creativity goes, and that's where this show was hilarious for me, because I have a little inner Ian. Ian is the creative director who doesn't see or really care about what it takes to make the creative vision work. He has the idea, and sometimes it's just an idea, like Blood Ocean, and it's not his job to know what Blood Ocean is. We'll figure that out. We'll get there in the end. But, yeah, that's... I've got one of those. I also have an internal an internal C.W. Longbottom, who is the Nebula Award-winning novelist, who writes the backstory for everything in the game, who feels that it's the most important thing and that nobody watches plays the game for the game, but for the story. I have one of those inside me, too. Well, I've never won a Nebula Award, but... Yeah, I, I still have a CW Longbottom in there. And then my two biggest people that fight in my own head constantly are my internal Poppy and Brad. The part of me that knows how much work it's going to take to implement Ian's vision, and Brad, who realizes if this is going to be a profitable endeavor, it needs to be making at least this much, and so it needs to be a certain level of popularity, or at least have some glitz and glamour, and, you know, it needs to appeal to the right people, and the fight is real. And watching this story, and the way that it unfolds, and the beautiful ending that it has for the series for the season, hopefully not the series, hopefully we get more, really says so much to me about how I need to try to rein in my own creative impulses, my sheer pessimism and cynicism about my ability to get things done, and that horrible, evil little hobgoblin in the back of my head that either, like Joe, wants to scream at the world and try to burn it down, or like Brad, just goes, you know, just sell out, make the money. That's what that's what we're really here for, right? No, it's not. A lot happens in this series, and so to keep from having to dedicate a week's worth of episodes to it, especially since I know a lot of you probably don't have access to the show, I'm not going to be talking too much about some of the overarching plots of the show, which I would really love to talk about, like the reveal of who Pootie Shoe actually is, and oh, all that. What I do want to talk about, though, is the relationship between our main triad, between Ian, 
Poppy, and Brad. Because Brad is a sociopath. (laughs) Brad does not have any care whatsoever for humans, humanity, or anything other than money. That's the only thing that Brad cares about. He wants to own people. As he says in one moment that was so wonderfully delivered by Danny Pudi, he doesn't, money, the accumulation of wealth is not about having money. It's about being able to use that money to buy people and to have power over them. I cannot think of a better analog for our pure business instinct than Brad. Because Brad exists somewhere within all of us, especially those of us who are more creative. We hate our Brads. <laughs> because I, I tell myself often, like, it would be so much easier if I just sold out and didn't try to be creative and didn't try to do, like, if I just became a story mill. And I talk about this a lot on the show because it is constantly in the back of my head. I have a little Brad in the back of my head saying, just be a story mill. You know, people don't care about this deep, rich backstory. You can just put your work up on Kindle Unlimited and just crank out book after book after book after book in rapid fire succession. And as long as it has enough sex and enough violence and enough exciting twists and turns, people are going to be okay with it and they'll buy it and they'll read it and you'll make money. Stop worrying about all this art stuff. Just make money. We need a wood nymph. People will buy the shovel just to see the breasts of the wood nymph. Don't forget to include the wood nymph. Mm, I hate my Brad. As does everybody in the show hate their Brad. Even their Brad kind of hates their Brad. And the, But the more interesting tension is that between... Well, first of all, I want to talk about Joe. Before I get into Ian and Poppy, I want to talk about Joe, because... I think every writer has a little Joe in their head as well. Every creative person has a little Joe. Joe is overly enthusiastic and overly destructive. Somebody says something bad about you and you just want to lash out. You want to attack. You want to destroy. You want to break down. You want to just utterly obliterate. Something doesn't fit in your world or worldview and you just want to lash out. You just want to attack and you know that that wouldn't be healthy and that wouldn't be good and that's not something that you should be doing, but you want to do it anyway. And so we have to learn how to control our Joe. Joe is that little internal internet troll that lives within all of us. We can pretend we don't have one. We can pretend that she doesn't exist within us. But we know deep down inside that that's a lie. We all have a Joe that wants to lash out that wants to be vicious, that wants to be cruel. And we have to make sure that we don't let her out because she is harmful, not only to the brand, but to our own psyche and our well-being. And we need to find a way to bring her into the fold. We have to find a way to give Joe a cookie. And I'm still learning how to give Joe a cookie. Usually I keep my Joe in a box because she wants to come out and she wants to get really, really angry and yell and scream and shout and be very self-destructive. And I have to be very careful in how I treat her. But for me, 
And because this is the place that I live right now, and I think that's why this show resonated with with me so much. The conflict between Ian and Poppy is, and yes, I am mispronouncing his name because he mispronounces his name, and there's a reason for that. But that's a part of a subplot that I'm not going to get into in this episode. So watch the show; it's good. Um, but the, the conflict between Ian and Poppy, to me is the most fundamental conflict, at least within my own creative brain, and within the brains of quite a few writers that I know. Our minds have these two people, the creative director who's always coming up with ideas, and they can be outlandish ideas. They can be incredible ideas. They can be ideas that you just know in your heart, people are going to love this. People are going to love this. Now, whether they do or not, that that's... That's a whole other issue. But we have that instinct, don't we? That this is going to be something that people love. And then we have our poppy who tells us, do you know how much work that's going to be? I mean, sure, yeah, you can write that 400,000 word book, but I mean, that's going to take a really long time to get written and edited and fixed up and out there. And oh, that's, that's going to be a thing to try to sell because that's pretty big. I mean, is that really what you want to do? I mean, think about all the effort that that's going to take. And that's not even going into all of the back and forth and back and forth over how our creative minds never have any respect for our working craft minds. And our craft minds think that our creative mind is just running around willy-nilly coming up with ideas. Yeah, This is starting to sound like a therapy session, isn't it? And that's why I love this show. It's exercising my demons through comedy and some drama. And comedy! (laughs) Yeah, that's what this show is. And the brilliance of it is the ending. So, you've been warned. Spoilers are coming. In the end, after all the drama that takes place, Ian makes a call to Montreal and saves everyone's jobs. He gets David rehired, and he insists that Poppy be made co-creative director with him, and that they're going to make all decisions together. Roll credits. Stop credits. Enter the montage of of Poppy and Ian calling David about how unreasonable the other person is and how they just can't work like this. Because, yeah, that's how it is. That's how our minds work. That's how we deal with this internal creative strife. We have, most of us, have a Brad that just kind of wants everybody to get along and definitely, definitely supports creative. But, you know, there's the business thing take into effect and yeah yeah i'm not saying that this show has answers i'm not saying that this show tells us how we should or could deal with our internal conflicts between our creativity our craft our business sense but it is one of the most therapeutic shows i have ever seen dealing with the creative process It demonstrates for people who have 
never waded into this horrific waiting pool that is trying to run a creative business. The series of minefields and problems that come up along the way. And I haven't even talked about C.W. Longbottom yet, but we can't let this episode go all day. I may come back to this show because I think it is a wellspring of metaphor for what it's like inside our creative heads. And if you haven't seen it and you have access to it, you should definitely watch it. And if you don't have access to it, I'm not going to say that you have to spend money, but uh, between it and Dickinson, man, I love both of those shows and they're both up. You can get it for a month, watch binge, and then cancel your service. (laughs) They're so good. I really like the show. I hope it takes off. I hope more people are talking about it. I hope you enjoyed this episode so I can do more on it. I might do more on it anyway. There's so much to talk about and so little time. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, please go into the show notes and click onto the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. If you have a dollar, you can pass my way. Oh yeah, this is where I'm supposed to get my brad out. If you've got a dollar that you can pass my way in the show notes, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and listener support. As little as a dollar a month really does go a long way in helping me keep the lights on, help me pay my bills, help me to get the software and hosting that I need to run this business. Thank you to everyone who does that. And if you can, please join the project. It means the world to me. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But if you know anybody that you think would like this episode, this podcast, or anything that I do, please share it with them. That helps out more than you know. Alrighty, there's a lot going on. Tomorrow is going to be, yeah, fun. I've got a Valentine's Day special version of Fiction Friday coming your way. But until then, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.